This is Undefiled, a podcast dedicated to demystifying biblical truths about sex, love, and marriage. I'm your host, David Grams. You should know about me that I love marriage, and it's because I love marriage so much that I want Christians to experience thriving relationships and marriages, a healthy and shameless sexuality, and to be able to talk about these things boldly and confidently with anyone. By listening to this podcast, you'll discover that most of what we think we know about biblical marriage and sexuality has been adulterated by cultural additives. My wife, Allie, and I implore you to renew your mind to a pure biblical understanding and your relationships will be transformed. Whether you're single, dating, married, divorced, I believe this podcast will bless you immensely. If you're interested in reading any of my books, visit valiantmi.com store. Let's get to it. Hello, listeners. Welcome to the Undefiled podcast. My name is David. I'm your host today. And with me, I have my wife, Allie, right next to me when we, while we're recording this episode. You want to say hi? Hello, everyone. <laughs> so that's Allie. That's her beautiful voice. And uh, she's going to start off by kind of sharing with you her role in our life, what uh, in our marriage and in, in our ministry, specifically with, with Valiant Church, Valiant Ministries. And then we're going to get into kind of a little bit about our story, the story of our relationship and how it applies to the subject of sexuality. That's going to be kind of the category for this episode. And specifically, we're going to deal with what we think about the dating and and or marriage culture that is common to Christianity, especially in America, and why we believe that the church is doing a lot of things wrong, uh, more specifically in how we believe that our youth are being taught wrong about dating and how it's very much kind of an American culture oriented dating process leading into marriage when it needs to be more biblical. So that's going to be the topic for today. So Ali, do you want to start by just kind of explaining your your role? Yes, absolutely. Um, I have a few things I want to just share about myself and my role at Valiant. God has really been showing me how I represent uh, childlike faith in many regards. I carry myself with a gentleness and an innocence that's been so beautiful to see play out in a marriage and in a leadership role at Valiant. Um, David and I love seeking the Lord separate and together in prayer and worship, and so that's been a huge part of our lives. Um, and as a married couple is really pressing into what God has for us and for Valiant Church as a whole. Um, additionally, I'm a wife, a sister, a friend, and hopefully a mother in the next year too. So Ooh. we're excited for that. Mm-hmm. Um, but really, yeah, keeping faith simple is really something that's been a pattern in my life. And so living out the simplicity of the gospel and the simplicity of God's love for his children has Mm -hmm. been something really on the forefront of my heart. Mm -hmm. Yep. Allie is a powerhouse people. She doesn't, I think, really realize it sometimes, (laughs) but that's what makes it so beautiful. Uh, She's a backbone in this marriage. She's a backbone for Valiant Church, and she's more behind the scenes, Um, and she likes it that way, and that's exactly where God wants her to be. She's a huge support in prayer 
And that's just amazing what God has been doing in our marriage since since the beginning of our relationship, which we want to talk to you guys about, because there's a lot of things that we've learned in the process of our relationship that we think apply biblically and powerfully to uh, lives of people all over the world in the body of Christ. So to start off, basically, I wanted to tell you guys that we, uh, Allie and I, got engaged after just over one month of dating, 34 days to be exact. <laughs> I remember the the date that we first started dating, which is September 30th in 2019. We met online on Facebook dating, believe it or not, and that was just how God used it. We actually both uh, you know, made a profile, if you will, for this Facebook dating thing. On the same night, Allie was actually out with a friend talking and they you guys made a profile together or something. Is that what happened? Yep, we were sitting eating dinner and uh-huh. I was introduced to the idea of Facebook dating and that night I created a profile. Yep, yep. So that's where she was at. And I think I was just at home, I think just sitting in my bedroom around the couch in my parents' house and I was like, oh, this is interesting. I'll give it a shot. And I was, <laughs> I was ready to give up. I had tried like dating apps and stuff and nothing had really worked the way that I had hoped it would. And so I was ready to give up. And then Facebook dating showed up as like an advertisement on my phone. And I was like, all right. And I had peace about it. Yeah. And that was the first time I had ever gone on an online dating site. And yeah. I just thought it was like a fun thing to Activity. do. Activity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So kind of interesting, different attitudes with, with, with which we approached it. I was very like reverent and uh, had right. a sense of weightiness about it. And now right. it was just kind of lighthearted. Like, yeah, I'll try this yeah. out. It's kind of fun, you know. But in my heart, I knew I wasn't just going to go on a date with anyone. So it was, right. it was yeah. similar, but you had high standards in a different way. Yeah. Yeah. So it was just really cool how God set it up. Uh, we went on our first date the next Monday. It was a Monday, I think we signed up, and then the following Monday. Or maybe yeah. it was a, yeah. Yeah, a anyway, week. Anyway, a week Monday. later. Yeah. Seven days later. So we went on our first date. We got Indian food. And on the second date, which was a week after that, that was when Allie told me uh, later, but she had said that on the second date was when she knew she was going to marry me. And for me, it was about the third date. I was thinking about it the second date, but the third date was really what locked it in for me. I knew I was going to marry this girl because I thought she was awesome. (laughs) So cool. Uh, There was so much confirmation, which details in that regard I won't get into that led to Mm -hmm. our decision. But 34 days after that first date, I proposed to Allie. It was actually at Valiant Church. I had decided the previous, or no, actually that morning that I was going to propose, which I had not planned to. (laughs) The Lord basically seized me in prayer one time and was like, dude, you need to propose to this girl. You're going to marry her. It needs to happen fast. And so that was the night before. And then the next morning, I was like, oh my goodness, I got to buy a ring. This is crazy. I can't believe I'm doing this. So I did some chores in my parents' house, then drove to like four or five different stores, you know, pawn shops, uh, jewelry stores, things like that, looking for precisely an exact kind of ring that I knew I was supposed to get. So I bought it that evening. Uh, we had just kind of a social social outing with some friends of Valley's, and then we went to Valiant Church and I proposed that evening. And from that point on, there was a lot of things that we learned in the process of our relationship. And one of those things which I'm going to talk about, which we'll talk about in this episode that's going to lead into the subject of sexuality, is that our dating relationship was very much unorthodox. It didn't go the way even I had planned, even though I was kind of used to things in my life happening quickly. One of the main things that I learned, at least just to start this discussion here, was that knowing exactly what I was looking for in a relationship, knowing exactly what God intended for my marriage made the dating process really easy. 
there was really no frustration, really no heartache, other than the fact that, you know, I was slightly frustrated about how online dating wasn't work working over the course of a year previously. But as soon as I met Allie, there was no doubts, no questions. She was exactly the woman that I knew God was leading to leading uh, to me, and it was just amazing how it all unfolded. And how this relates to sexuality was that there were there was an experience we had of realizing that there were there was areas of our sexual understanding that we had to receive healing in. And for me, I think it was just the fact that I didn't know a whole lot about or hadn't really fully experienced yet or had revelation of the the real meaningfulness, the weightiness of sex in marriage. And it led me to write this book, Undefiled, that I've talked about in this podcast after having been married. But previously, I didn't really know details about it. I didn't know all of what sex meant for a husband and wife and how powerful it was. Mm -hmm. And so then when we started talking about sex, which happened very quickly because, I mean, we got engaged after a month of dating. We were going to get married. And we ended up getting married in in April uh, after the the previous beginning of November that we got engaged in. And so we started talking about this. And God just kind of brought things up in our conversations about how we needed to heal how Allie needed to have her understanding rectified in certain areas. Mm-hmm. And we came face to face with this reality that the way that dating is done in Christianity, especially in the West, is just not biblical, really, fundamentally. And this came up because I was doing some Bible study, uh, first of all, just into the story of Isaac and Rebecca in Genesis. And one of the things that's interesting about Isaac and Rebecca is that Abraham told one of his servants one time, He said that I'm old, advanced in years. Isaac, my son, isn't married, and he's the son of promise. I got to make sure I have grandkids, right? And so Abraham tells his servant to go into the land of his forefathers and find a wife for Isaac. So he goes, I won't get into details about the story, goes and finds a woman. That woman's name is Rebecca. She is willing to go with the servant back to Abraham's camp with Isaac. She returns with that servant, marries Isaac, and that night... It says that Isaac took Rebecca into his mother's tent and they got busy and that's the story of their relationship. Now I use that because that is kind of a comparison to the way it went with Allie and I, except obviously it was, you know, more like a six month long process. Out, yeah. yeah. Instead of instead of one day. But it made me realize that in the Old Testament, in ancient Jewish culture, when you wanted to get married, using just a young man for example, when you wanted to get married, oftentimes as young as like 14, 15, 16 years old, your father would either choose a bride or you would make a recommendation to your father of who you wanted to marry. And this happened quickly. I mean, you really had no opportunity for any kind of long-term serious relationship with a girl if you were a young man. It was very fast. We read about this with Samson as well in the in the book of Judges. So if the father approved of the woman that you suggested to him, they would set up a wedding. They'd be in contact with the with the the woman's family. The wedding would be set up, and the wedding celebrations were a week long process. And on the first day of the wedding, after just really having recently met, there's a very short amount of time as opportunity for any interaction with your future bride. First day of your wedding, you had sex, you consummated the marriage, and the celebrations took place after that. Now, in today's culture, what generally happens is that there's long or great opportunity for a really long-term relationship about getting to know each other as intimately as possible while hopefully not crossing the line in physical boundaries 
and sometimes it's one, two, three, even four years at times, and then you get married after usually a whole nother year of planning the wedding. Then when you get married, now everyone approves of you having sex, when that is not originally how God designed it. We were actually made to uh, engage in a sexual relationship with a spouse, seemingly at a young age, because we're, you know, we're, we have sexual desire at quite young. Usually it starts with puberty and things like that. And Ellie and I realized this and faced this and we're like, man, if we know God brought us together and if we're confident that in loving one another and choosing that commitment, there's absolutely no reason why we need to wait and extend this relationship because it's just what's culturally acceptable. And we actually, even though it was six or seven months before we did get married after being engaged, we very easily could have gotten married immediately. There was actually, yeah. there would have been no difference. And that, and right. even to this day, Allie and I talk about that and we're like, you know what? We knew God was supposed to have us together. There was no reason why we couldn't get married. Now, yeah, circumstantially, maybe it wouldn't have been perfect, but we knew God wanted us to be together. And that's kind of the thing. There's a lot of people that don't have confidence in who they are in Christ, what it is God says they should look for in a spouse. So then when they meet someone they get into a relationship because there's some benefits to it. There's pleasures to it. It's enjoyable. It's comforting. They don't want to get out of it, but yet there's a lack of confidence. And so they're not totally solid on making a marriage commitment. And so one of the things that we also learned was that just based on Bible study, this was a really cool revelation for me, that according to scripture, a marriage doesn't begin when you have a wedding. A marriage doesn't begin when you sign a dotted line for a marriage license. Marriage actually begins when you have sex, which is interesting because in 1 Corinthians 6, verse 16, it quotes from Genesis chapter 2 and says that even if a man joins himself to a harlot or a prostitute, he becomes one flesh with her, which was the Old Testament description of a marriage union. So Paul in that chapter actually writes and says, if you sleep with a prostitute, you just married the girl. And then because it's just a, you know, if you may call it a one night stand or a transient relationship, if you will, you basically spiritually divorce this prostitute every time you engage in that kind of dalliance. And so the point was, if you are choosing to have sex, you are choosing to get married. Now, the way it generally goes in today's culture is that if you're in a serious long-term relationship, which is naturally designed to lead to sex, we are inadvertently, as Christian parents, if you will, encouraging a sexual engagement to happen while saying that it shouldn't because we think a marriage takes place when you walk down the aisle, not when you actually have sex. And so there's all these criteria, uh, these this framework requirements that we place for two people to get married when God designed us, if we know who we are in Christ and confident in our standings and what we're looking for in a marriage, to marry somebody immediately, actually through a sexual encounter. And the Bible gives very simple requirements for, for two people being married. It, it actually makes no mention of a wedding indicating that a person is married. It makes no mention of signing any paper indicating that a person is married. Because marriage, even though we are required, at least in America, to sign marriage licenses to be legally married, signing a paper does not validate a marriage. It, it does not constitute what God says a marriage actually is. And so what I think the church needs to realize 
is Mm -hmm. that marriage is an institution of God. Man does not determine what constitutes a marriage, what it should look like, when a marriage actually begins. God is the only one who can make that determination because it's his institution. He created it. And so the Bible makes it very clear that if you want to get married, there's a release from parents or parental guardians so that you have that kind of familial security. Then there is a decision to commit, which is where the Genesis calls it a man is joined to his wife. You choose to commit, and then it says you become one flesh, which is the sexual engagement, which means you get approval from the parents, you decide to commit, and you have sex, you're married period. Forget the wedding, signing the dotted line. That is the only thing, only things the Bible says are required to actually be married. So if we want to make the marriage process a year, drawn out, year long, sometimes more than that process of preparation to set up the wedding and just, we make it so, so complicated. And because it's so drawn out, we're actually, like I mentioned earlier, inadvertently, Mm -hmm. but needlessly making it difficult on our youth to live in what we would call a sexual purity when they were not designed to have that long drawn out uh, relationship. They weren't designed to date in such a way that they get intimate while also not making a decision to commit. And then we blame them for doing that when we're allowing them to continue or teaching them to continue in a dating culture that is not conducive for a biblical uh, marriage preparation process. And so... There's a whole lot more about this in my book, Undefiled, which is in the process of editing right now. You guys will hear more about that later. But uh, just to kind of continue off of that point before we finish this episode, I want, if you know, if you're listening to this episode, you're a parent, I want you to really reevaluate for your kids what dating should be for them. And what this meant for me and I didn't I didn't really learn this from my parents I mean I wish my parents had shared this with me when I was younger but one of the things that I learned is that what actually created a sexual purity in my life in both in practice and in my thinking was learning to love God's design for sex so much learning to so appreciate and honor its weightiness and its value that I just would dare not sacrifice it for the uh, you know sake of gaining any inferior experience. Sexual impurity or profligacy, whatever you want to call it, promiscuity, usually comes from treating sex casually. It comes from treating it like it's a perk to marriage, like it's just some addition of pleasure. When the Bible says it is so meaningful, so powerful, so bonding, that it is actually the activity that seals a marriage covenant. It is the activity that consummates consummates a permanent union between a man and woman. And for that reason, it's just really, really powerful. And so I learned to see sex as something that is supposed to be reflective of the intimacy that I have with Christ and the union that I have with God. And it made it so meaningful to me that I didn't want to sacrifice that for an inferior experience, which we would just call sexual impurity. And so then with that understanding, I just realized with the process of dating that I had with Allie that if if we knew because we were confident in our identity in Christ that we were supposed to get married, what we should have done in a perfect world was kind of brought our understanding to our parents, our family, and said, this is how God says a marriage should go. This is how we believe he's called us to go about this process and just get it done and go for it because we knew it was his will for our lives. And 
Um, not, uh, you know, the whole idea of drawn out relationships usually has to do with a lack of confidence, not really knowing what it is that you want, what you need. And so as a young person, if you're, you know, younger, single, listening to this podcast, realize that what's most important for keeping you safe and secure and pure in a dating process is knowing so deeply what it is that you need in a marriage, knowing so deeply the kind of person that God has called you to be with that you will know, at least in my case, it was like right off the bat, two, three dates, whether you're supposed to marry a person. And I believe it actually is supposed to continue. It's supposed to actually lead into a marriage much more quickly than it usually does in in today's culture. And like I said, if it's because of a lack of confidence that people draw out, extend relationships, then it is because of a biblical confidence in your identity, what you need in marriage, that will allow the Holy Spirit to guide you into a relationship that will move fast, but yet it will be sound, it will be based on wisdom, it will be secure, and it's going to be powerful. And I, I want to remove just needless difficulty, hardship, argument, and conflict in families about the dating process and realize that if we're going to teach our kids sexual purity, they need to date in a way that's not American, if you will. And that, that requires, you know, some, some Bible study. It requires some prayer, some discussions with, with family and children and parents about how that's actually supposed to supposed to go down. So that's something that I wanted to mention this episode, and, and we'll get into details about this in the future as far as teaching those of you who are younger, single, and then for married people, we're going to talk, get into details in later episodes about a sexual relationship, what the Bible says it's supposed to look like, and how there can be an actual power in a marital or conjugal intimacy that's produced. So before we close the episode, Ali, do you have anything you want to add to, to help close the episode, or what do you think? No, I think that was a great overview um i think a lot of times people draw out their dating relationships like we've talked about because there is a lack of confidence and that also then creates difficulties in a dating relationship because individuals can then search out weaknesses or um maybe certain qualities they don't love in their significant other and then they use those as reasons to not marry them or mm-hmm. to not continue the relationship. Yeah. And I think a lot of times those are so insignificant compared to um, maybe the purpose and connection that God has for that couple. Mm-hmm. Um, but we create excuses that are not significant enough to break off a relationship. But that's, uh, yeah, becomes a, a, a big problem when it becomes a drawn out relationship that probably was supposed to be a lot shorter in in the first place mm-hmm. and I, th- I think there's a lot of other um factors you could say in deciding when to get married but a lot of times those are like david mentioned sort of american and they're mm-hmm. we don't have enough finances we're not um old enough yep nobody yep. else our age is married we're Uh, still in school we're at college but you know if you're going to get married god will bless and provide for you and your spouse and i really believe that at whatever point in life you are at 
if you know with full confidence that God is going to have you to be married, a drawn-out relationship, I feel like in most cases, will be a negative thing yeah. rather than a positive. Yeah, detriment. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And just kind of add something you, you mentioned there, Holly, that was really good. I, I, I realized that there's just all these factors, all this criteria for a valid marriage in the average uh, parent's mind. In that, for example, well, you know, parents will say things like, you know, don't get married unless you're, you know, financially secure, you're able to, you know, support yourself, fend for yourself. Now, all those things are good. I agree with that. But sometimes we make this requirement where it's like, if you can't have a wedding, walk down the aisle, sign a marriage license, move out of the house, then you're not ready to get married, but yet I'll still let you be in a dating relationship. That's not not how it's supposed to go. If uh, if two people decide they want to get mm-hmm. married and they're young, so what? If they're ready for it, there's no reason why we should restrict them from stepping into a covenant that God loves so mm-hmm. deeply for them. And uh, just as an example, my younger brother, he ended up getting married to his wife uh, when I think he was... Uh, 18 or 19 or he was he was younger than me he's been married for a few years and uh, my younger brother and he actually is still living this is interesting it's, I'm not used saying this as a negative note uh, it's actually kind of cool but his wife is finishing up college they live in my parents basement kind of as their own living quarters and on the surface from outside looking in it doesn't like look like the ideal situation for two Christian young people being married but I know that God has blessed their marriage. I know that there's a calling on their marriage, and their marriage is just as valid as anyone else's because the Bible says that whom God has joined together, man is not to separate. And so it, it, their relationship also began in a way that's unorthodox, but yet it's, it's biblically uh, sound, at least in the way that it looks on the inside. And so I want us to start rethinking, uh, parents especially, what, what a marriage constitutes and why it can begin even when the conventional criteria are not met. And Absolutely. so there's there's obviously details that go into that that, that I won't get into, but that, that's for another discussion. Um, I want to then uh, close this episode and um, want you guys to be excited. I mentioned this in a kind of an intro episode that I did on our Valiant Ministries International podcast, introducing the book Undefiled, introducing this podcast show. But new episodes are going to go out every Thursday. And so the discussions will will vary from week to week. Sometimes they'll be in a consistent, more series-like format, if you will. But we're going to cover a lot of different topics. And I think to get started, we'll just kind of walk through the book Undefiled, and I'll go through the basic content of each chapter while also kind of leaving it on a more superficial level because I want you guys to be able to read the book and study it for yourselves together with your Bible so that it can have the, the, the most benefit for you possible. So that's all that Allie and I have for you guys in this episode. I hope you guys have an amazing day and hope that you tune in next week, next Thursday, for another episode of Undefiled, which is about rediscovering God's purpose for sexuality and then the power that it has when it's done God's way.